Hi, I'm Jay Christian Adams. This is the Protecting Your Vote podcast, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. You can find more about the Public Interest Legal Foundation at publicinterestlegal.org. We're the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated exclusively to election integrity. And with me today is a great guest, Don Palmer, the Election Assistance Commission. You are a commissioner, aren't you? I am a commissioner, yes. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, Don, you and I worked at the voting section together back at the Justice Department. We did. And uh, that was almost 20 years now. Holy moly. I know. Uh, and what I want to talk about today are two things. First of all, we'll get to Eric, because a lot of people are interested in Eric. But let's start first with cancel culture as it relates to elections, okay? Okay. You're a appointee on the Election Assistance Commission. I, by the way, am a, a presidential appointee on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. And some people can't get over that, can they? And they don't want you talking to anybody, do they? I mean, as a matter of fact, what we're talking about is a recent article. Uh, I, I Was it in Slate, I think? And it was attacking you for talking to Republican secretaries of state. Shiver me timbers, Don. What happened there? Well, what happened is, you know, a Republican commissioner that was nominated by a Republican uh, Speaker of the House, uh, and then the, and the president nominates you and confirmed by the Senate, uh, actually goes speak to a group of conservatives at a nonprofit uh, about election issues. I mean, we do that all the time. That is what we do as commissioners. We not only talk to election officials and stakeholders from across the bandwidth, but we also talk to groups that are, you know have an interest in elections, like yourself. Uh, in other groups. You shouldn't be here today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and look, the conversation uh, has to, you know, it has to, you have to be able to talk to both sides of the aisle, and we do with the AAC. And so both Democrats and Republicans, they basically told me, look, Don, you are doing exactly what your job uh, is entailing. Uh, you're having those conversations about what the EAC does, how the, you know, what are the roads and bridges of what we're doing in elections to try to keep the foundation firm. And so, you know, when they attack you, what are they really trying to do? They're really trying to impinge on the, the freedom of speech. They really just don't want us to talk to groups uh, that might be conservative in nature. They don't want us to speak to Republican secretaries of state. They don't want us to have those lines of communication. And that really is impinging on, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of association. And Don, your background, just so the folks listening know, before you were commissioner on the AC, you were essentially the statewide elections director in two of the largest states in the country, weren't you? I was a chief election official in Virginia. Uh, and then, yes, I was a state director in Florida. So I've been doing this for a while since the voting section. Um, it's actually a little bit more fun uh, because you're actually helping people vote. You're helping secure the systems. Uh, you get to talk to all types of citizens. Uh, and, you you know, it's – and then when there's a recount, that's when it, things get really crazy. Right. Like now, going back to this piece in Slate, it's written by – Richard Hazen, uh, who is one of the original cancel culture champions and a big uh, foe of free speech going back to the campaign finance days, and somebody named Dahlia Lithwick. And her problem and Hazen's problem was that you actually have a dialogue with people with whom Hazen disagrees. That's the problem here. Now, uh, talk a little bit about uh, whether or not other election assistance commissioners, other secretaries of state communicate with left of center organizations. Do you, it, 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 it's, it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, isn't it? 
Well, of course, of course they do. And uh, often the Republican commissioners aren't often invited to those. So occasionally there'll be meetings where we mo- we meet with both Democratic Republican commissioner uh, or secretaries of state or election officials. But yeah, yeah, I'm not invited to their parties right. all, very often. And, and frankly, we should be doing more of that. If we actually had conversations and not just attacking each other in the media, uh, we actually might be making some progress on what those areas uh, of agreement can be. And just so for the record, Christian, I work and have, I talk with and work with my Democratic colleagues every day. And so we have to find a way, a path right. forward for basic election administration. And so to be attacked for, you know, talking to Republicans or conservative groups or, uh, you know, public interest groups, that is just, you know. Un-American. I'll well, say it. I'll say it. I'll say know, it. It's just hypocritical. Right. Christian. So let's compare this. Uh, in early 2000, one election official who was very critical of you, namely Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, she engaged in outreach, direct uh, conferences with left-wing organizations, with Vanita Gupta of the Leadership Committee, uh, and and other organizations attempting to spool up Zuckerberg money. This was a meeting with with Jocelyn Benson. And, and she was right there at the beginning of Zuckbucks. And so did she ever come clean on that to your knowledge? Did she ever reveal her public role in those meetings? I, I never saw them. Maybe you did. I don't know anything about that. I of guess, course not. No, but my, my only point is um, I'm, I'm not administering elections. And I understand that, yes, absolutely, we, we need free and fair elections that without a perception that there's influence uh, one way or the other. Uh, that's why I talk to everybody. Right. On the other hand, I mean, when you are actually an administrator, a chief election official, you're much more sensitive yeah. to that because you are the person in charge of election uh, of administering elections. And so here I am. I did administer elections at the state level multiple times and recounts, but I'm no longer doing that. We're overseeing a process right. at the EAC. As a chief election official, that's actually where you need to be a little bit more careful because and, and talking to groups across the aisle. Um, but I haven't been invited to anything in yeah. Michigan. Let's talk about uh, not invited. I think one of the chief, uh, the godfathers of this cancel culture is this Richard Hazen, a law professor. Y'all can Google him, look him up. He moves around a lot, so I can never tell what law school he's teaching at at a moment. Uh, but he, a long time ago, has this election blog. And over the years, you've watched people like uh, Hans von Sokowski will write law review articles, and Hazen just doesn't pay any attention. He doesn't. He doesn't. It's it's almost it's almost like this sort of. Well, actually, it's sort of like what Twitter and Google did for a while, isn't it? Where they hide opposing viewpoints. Uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation would win lawsuits after lawsuits after lawsuits on cutting edge stuff, just ignores it because it doesn't exist. They have conferences, right, where Hazen and Justin Levitt, who you know who that is, and all of these other uh, left-of-center academics, uh, uh, although I, I repeat myself, uh, they have these conferences, and they don't invite the leading people on the right uh, who are making all the the the, uh, the law in this area to come speak. Now they always have their flunkies, right? They have like Matt Masterson show up. Oh, we're bipartisan, or or Ben Ginsburg, right? That well, that ship has sailed. That's not a bipartisan event. But they they do that to have a bipartisan trapping, so they can tell people it's bipartisan. Uh, but it's all a big a scam, it seems. It's it's a cancel culture on the left when it comes to election law. And if you talk to anybody uh, as Secretary of State, by golly, they're going to go attack. It's unbelievable. 
Well, it really does. I mean, look, there's exclusion. And one of the things we do at the AC is we try not to exclude anybody. We'll have a very balanced panel for our discussions. We'll have both left and right, Democrat, Republican. But you don't get that with uh, groups, you know, even like a Rick Hazen. And my problem with Rick Hazen, you know, is often I go back and maybe it's 20, 30 years from now. I never really had this conversation with him. But he wrote a book called Voting Wars. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. It's like around 05-ish. Well, it was very prophetic. I mean, there yeah. have been a lot of voting wars. He was almost uh, asking for him, wasn't uh, he? Uh, well, I think when you talk about lawfare and elections, uh, it really causes sort of the extremes to, to come up, right? And and it basically creates um, what we have now, council culture, very polarized uh, view of election administration. You know, since we've been into this voting war- wars era, and I don't want to place all the blame, obviously, on, on Rick Hazen, but, you know, it, it actually was prophetic because what yeah. we have has had decades of litigation in this that have just been really detrimental to the election administration community. And when you look at it, most of these folks in election administration, in fact, 99% of them, are just bureaucrats doing their job based on laws that are passed by by legislators. And yet the legal system and lawfare and sort of the voting work concept is let's go after the election administrator. Let's, make, let's go after the election laws, which most don't have an impact on voting. You know, election administrators, if it comes to ID or certain uh, policies, they can conform and, and voters are able to adapt and, and, they, and they vote successfully. But if we make every issue, you know, very dramatic and partisan uh, and, and, and there's a lot of flamethrowing going on, that doesn't bring people together. It really creates voting wars. Right. Uh, recently, you testified, along with Hans von Spakovsky, to the House Administration Committee. I'm sure Hazen was squirming when, when Hans uh, was testifying. But these folks on the left who engage in the cancel culture, like the folks we've talked about, they need to understand people like Hans are listened to by everybody right of center. And, you know, when you have a conference, maybe you want to hear those perspectives. Instead, the approach toward Hans has been awful. It's been shunning. They've, they've attempted to shun him like he's a non-entity. And what a stupid, dumb mistake that is. Well, you know, in some ways, Hans, Hans is, a, you know, he understands the issues very well and he's articulate. Um, and he has been shunned. But I think, you know, it actually is everybody right of center. Right. Everybody's center right. Except is, Ben Ginsburg and Matt Masterson. They there's always very get few. There's right. very few that are, that are even uh, able to have a conversation with them. And I, I frankly think I could have a conversation with them, but some they, they just ask. simply do not want to have that right. conversation. The thing about the Election Assistance Commission is that we are we all come from different uh, paths, and and Democrat, Republican, and um, you know some worked on the hills, some have worked in elections. Um, we've all been ele- involved in election administration, but we actually have to work together. We actually have to talk to each other about the way forward on fundamental issues about voting and ha- election administration. And so it, it is possible. And and you know, Krista McCormick and I are conservatives. Uh, we're principled. We understand election law. We worked in the voting section. We understand the voting laws. We understand the civil rights. And we understand that there is a way forward that we can work with our yeah. colleagues. Yet... It does. It seems that it's just impossible for some to work with anybody that might have a Republican label or be conservative in the way they view um, or have any sense of election integrity. Um, It's remarkable that that can occur outside um, of when you have to. I'm struck. You reminded me, Don, when we were both at the voting section, all of the lawyers, we all got along. 
Eve left or right. I mean, there were some pretty hardcore left-wing lawyers in that voting section, but we all talked. We all worked together on cases. It can happen, but it doesn't seem to happen anymore in this area. Well, I think when you actually have to work together, and that's I bring up the AC, we actually have to work together. And in the voting section, we had to work together. And I think that when you work on a case, uh, then there may be some distrust in the beginning, but you get you can get over that by showing that you understand the law, the facts, you know how to apply it to a case. And when we were in the voting section, I think there was a record number of cases. Yeah, yeah, that's, because we understood. We could do a whole show on that. Couldn't it's we? like, look, I mean, we're here to follow the law. What does the law say? What are the facts we see? And there needs to be justice in this case. Yeah. And you bring a case, and I think that there actually was some respect gained because. And we were able to work together because once you go through that process, it's like, well, oh, my gosh, uh, Christian Adams, he actually, uh, you know, knows how to build a case, bring it, uh, and maybe perhaps get a consent decree to bring justice in a case that yeah. demanded or to follow the law. And I, I, I felt that I did the same thing when I was at the, at the uh, uh, Civil Rights Division. You did. Let's, let's shift the topic to Eric because I think you and I have seen um, Eric as an opportunity uh, to um, – give a fair balance ledger, the good and the bad, sometimes the ugly. Depends on who's doing what. Uh, and so Eric is the Electronic Registration Information Center. And do you share my views that it's it's good for a state to participate so the cross-checking data is available heading into an election, meaning people are registered in more than one state? I do. I do. I absolutely do. And that's why I, per- I was a proponent and was one of the original founders of uh, states of Eric. When Which I w- state? I was in Virginia, Virginia, so we're a founding member. But I have to laugh. You know, we had a legislator. We're at the Board of Advisors meeting. We had a legislator from Kentucky, and he made a good joke. He said, who's this Eric guy that they keep hearing about in the legislature? Uh, and it was pretty funny because it was like he had no idea, but he actually did. He was just a joke, yeah. tongue-in-cheek. But look, it's this is really no way to identify folks that are registered or voting in another state or in two states. Uh, and a state needs to have that information. And so there are other ways that that uh, we might be able to update our, the accuracy of our voter rolls. But that is one area where you just cannot get the data, uh, uh, you know, to properly remove someone or to investigate potential uh, double voting. And so this was really the genesis of Eric. And it's why it spread to about 30 states before uh, or 30 plus states before we start having these issues. Right. Um but obviously, Eric has problems. There's a perception of unfairness in the governance. So you aren't just here to shill for Eric. Uh, you recognize that there's areas for improvement, I, I take it. Well, look, I mean, Eric is made up of member states that, that are of state directors and, and their secretaries of state. Um, and as with any organization that involves elections and election administration, like the EAC, it ha- you have to try. T- it's going to have to be a bipartisan group that con- that works together to find the path forward. When there's w- when they simply cannot find, um, you know, consensus and partisan, you know, when when members or uh, the executive board are dealing with outside groups that have nothing to do with election administration, but are too close to the sun, as I like to say, to the partisan areas. Yeah, like, right. well, the relationship with CEIR and others, right? CEIR. I think that's it. Was like, it stand for I, Center for <laughs> Election Innovation and Research, otherwise known as David Becker? Well, I mean, look, and, and so look, when that becomes public, it, it, then it then becomes a discussion not about the good work that Eric does. It becomes a discussion of how was that able to happen? Is it and is it a is it a partisan um, actor? And then and then. 
all the secretaries and directors that are part of this are on defense yeah. trying to defend the actions that should never have taken place in the, in the first place. And this is my view. And again, I've been an out of Eric um, for a number of years um, because, um, you know, I went to work at the Bipartisan Policy Center and I went to go work at the EAC where I am today. So I'm not involved in the day to day, you know, conversations. Um, but when secretaries of state have to defend the actions of the executive board, or Eric with other entities, that becomes a problem and not one that they can stand up to. And, and, and look, it shouldn't. They shouldn't have to defend the actions of Eric. Eric should be doing its core mission, yeah, which is share data between the states and right. identify folks who are registered to voting in other states. And there is a registration part of that, you know, where you offer the opportunity to registration. There wasn't a problem until the, the, there was these these allegations of activities outside the core duties of Eric. So what is your prediction on what happens next if you have one about, about I kind of think the, the exodus is capped, that it's hit the maximum and it's gonna go forward with the states that are in it. I, I think unfortunately there'll be more exits um, because I, I, I think most of the secretaries of state wanna have an organization that is non-political and is not engaged, what they see as non-political sure. or the perception of. Now it's into the state legislatures and mm -hmm. you know party folks who believe that there's partisanships in, in, in the organization. There are a significant number of states left. It's unfortunate. And more may be coming. Now it may be capped at some point, um, you know, but when states are already looking for an alternative, um, they're going to proceed with that because they realize, even though they've left Eric, they realize they need they need an alternative, which they don't have right now. By the way, let's just be there's clear. no alternative, and I and I say, look, there is no alternative. And look, you create a system, you should join both. You should be involved with mm, both. That's interesting. Uh, I, I always say there were double cross check the, Eric states, weren't there? I think Virginia was. Of course, one. there were. Yeah, that's why I say there. Yeah. In fact, you should be doing a lot of your own uh, analysis. I, I believe that states can have data centers. And where they compare lists with neighboring regional or or nationwide um, uh, states, um, we did that in Virginia. We did our own thing because when we first started, not every state was a member of Eric. Not every state was a member of CrossChat. And so there were states, particularly bordering states, that we wanted to compare lists. Mm -hmm. So as a as a chief election official, you you have to be agnostic a little bit on on personalities and that. And that was why I joined Eric. I called it list maintenance on steroids. Yeah, it is. The data was yeah. very good, list maintenance on steroids. But again, I come to the point that I had to go and convince my legislature and my governor it was a good idea. They put their trust in me. And they have, Eric has to realize that when that trust is broken in any way, real or perceived, that it's right. gotta be fixed. It's gotta be fixed. Otherwise people are going to do other options that are more politically palpable. I agree. All right. Well, listen, Don Palmer, Commissioner of the Election Assistance Commission, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to see you. Uh, I'm glad you testified to Congress. They need to hear from you. Uh, I'm Jay Christian Adams. You've been watching Protecting Your Vote podcast at the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We have lots more information about this. You can go online, publicinterestlegal.org. Uh, you can follow us at PILF Foundation on Twitter. And you can help and learn and really get involved in what's happening in elections. Till next time, I'm Jay Christian Adams. This has been Protecting Your Vote.